When I was little, one of my earliest memories is, and you're gonna laugh, I couldn't wait to go to school. You know, I grew up out in the country. I just couldn't wait to go and be with other kids and uh, learn. And, and I, I was just so eager to start school. And, and I, I went to this little country school, K, kindergarten through eighth grade on the same campus. Uh, I remember starting, and, and I loved school, loved going every day. Uh, but one thing I didn't love was there were big, mean, scary kids on that campus because we were on the same campus as the eighth graders. Those eighth graders were huge when we were in kindergarten. There's this one, there's this one uh, eighth grader, I remember his name was Bernard, not Bernard, Bernard, and for some reason Bernard had it in for us kindergartners, and I don't remember him ever doing any, you know, actually physically hurting anybody, but he just picked on us constantly, and we were all scared of him. And I remember going home and talking to my parents about this, and this is how parenting has changed in 50 years. I mean, these days a parent would go to the school and you know, they'd demand Bernard's head on a platter or something. But my dad just said, hey, listen, don't cry. If you just don't cry, he'll leave you alone. He said, this is what bullies are like. They like, a, they like to get a reaction out of you, and if you don't give it to them, they'll get bored and they'll go, go pick on someone else, which is good advice. But you know how hard that advice is to, to obey when you're five years old? Because I don't know if you can remember, but when you're five, basically crying is your response to just about anything that upsets you. You know, you, if you're angry, if you're sad, if you're hurt, you cry. And so I, I really worked hard on it. I remember the day I realized I'd finally gotten that lesson down. It was actually fourth grade, the first day of fourth grade. And I'd, I'd moved from that little school, that little country school, to a, a school in town. And so I was, I was terrified because I knew maybe basically two people on that campus and all these other kids I didn't know and wanted to make a good impression. First day of school at lunchtime, we're playing football and this kid that was twice my size just ran right over me. And I remember the back of my head hitting the ground and I felt the tears come and I just fought them off. And I got up and I dusted myself off and I said, I'm a man, right? (laughs) Such a good feeling. But I, I just, I tell you that story because two weeks ago, we saw what it takes to love people in the church. And we talked about how that's part of what it means to be a living sacrifice to Christ is you love the people in your church. You don't just tolerate them. You don't just, you don't just have some sort of uh, vague affection for them. You are involved in their lives. You bear their burdens. You're part of the body of Christ performing your role I got to tell you, that's easy compared to what we're going to talk about today. Because just like I went from being a a little boy in my parents' house where I was the oldest in the family, oldest child in the family, oldest grandson on my parents, on my mom's side, basically adored by everybody and, and safe and comfortable, I went to a place where there were big, mean, scary people, people who made life tough on me. In the same way, there are people out there in the world that don't like us. And Jesus said it would be so. I'll just remind you, John 15, 18, he said, if they hated me, they will hate you. No servant is above his master. He promised us that would be the case. So how do we take the love that we're supposed to feel and and perform, how do we take that into the world when the world can be hostile to people like you and me? That's what this passage is about today. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think this, this message may be, this passage we're looking at may be the most important in in Romans 12 for a lot of us because for the last 50 years, essentially my whole lifetime, Christians in America have been in a posture of, of warfare against people who are, are non-Christians. The sense that we're fighting for control of our culture, and I think we've forgotten what our actual mission is as believers in Jesus. There are nine commands in this passage, and I think they're all summed up by the last one in verse 21. In fact, that verse 21 is so important, it's kind of a hinge point that's going to lead into chapter 13, and we'll look at what it means in 13 next week. That'll be the end of our series. But that verse 21 again says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do we do that? Today we're going to look at what that looks like, why it works, and how it's possible. All right, there's your three points if you want them ahead of time. What it looks like, why it works, how it's possible. So first of all, what does it look like to overcome evil with good? Next week, we'll talk about how we do it on a community level, how a, how a society like ours, how Conroe, how Montgomery County, how United States of America overcome evil with good. And it's different than how an individual person does it, okay? The, the rules that apply to us as individuals don't apply to states and counties and cities. But how do we overcome evil with good? Well, there's four things that, that he says that, that apply to this in this passage. Number one, we need to look for a good reputation. We need to have a good reputation in the world. In verse 17, he says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And you say, well, wait a second. I thought we were just supposed to please God and not care what other people thought about it. So I'll give you a, a backup verse, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 21. We aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that we conform to the moral standards of the world. We know that there are things this world believes that the scriptures specifically preach against. We know there are things that God commands us to do that the world does not value. So sometimes we're going to be in conflict with the world. What this is about is not presenting, not, not presenting a, 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 an unnecessary conflict, not, not, not being arbitrarily offensive, not setting yourself up as being an enemy, but saying, hey, I want to win your respect so that you will consider my Savior. There are a lot of Christians, I'm afraid, who say, yeah, Jesus said the world would hate us. And there you go. I must be living right. Everybody out there hates me. And I want to tell them they hate you not because of Jesus. They hate you because you're a jerk. And there's a big difference there. There are a whole lot of Christians. And I, I'm, if I'm making eye contact right now, it's not you, okay? It's, <laughs> let the Holy Spirit decide if it's you, not me. But what this is about is let's not put any unnecessary barrier in the way of the gospel. It's hard enough for people to believe 
that God's Son came down and died for their sins, that they are, that they are lost without His grace. Let's not put an unnecessary barrier in front of that and say, yes, you have to believe that, plus you have to agree with me on this issue and this issue. You have to be like me in this way and that way. No, get all of that out of the way and let's say, I want to be the people, we want to be the people who everybody says, you know, I've never been to that church, but I'm glad it's there. I'll take you back to something that was said to me by one of my professors in seminary. If all the churches closed down the same day all the garbage men went on strike, which one would the people miss first? So we should, we should have a good reputation in the community. People should say, thank God for God that he should create people like them. All right, second thing, forgiveness. Overcoming evil with good means forgiveness. Verse 19 is very famous. Uh, Never avenge yourselves. Leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. I love that phrase, leave room for the wrath of God. It's like God saying, if you want to take vengeance, okay, go ahead. I won't have anything to do with it. If you leave room for me, I will get your vengeance for you. Because what is forgiveness? I'm going to do a, Lord willing... I'm going to do a whole series on forgiveness in the fall, and I think it's going to cover some very important things. But real briefly, let me just say this. Forgiveness doesn't mean I'm over it. It doesn't mean I'm no longer angry with you. It doesn't mean I, I no longer hurt because of what you did to me. You can, you can forgive someone when you're still in a state of woundedness, anger, uh, uh, weeping, mourning. You can forgive it also doesn't mean I trust you. I trust you like it never happened. Trust me, if, if you babysit my kids and something bad happens to my kids, I'm not letting you babysit my kids anymore, but I can still forgive you. Forgiveness simply means I'm not going to make you pay. If you borrow my car and you total my car, forgiveness means I'm not going to require you to pay me the money that that car costs. I'm not going to require anything of you. Not only that, I'm not, I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to remind you of it the next time uh, I'm upset with you about something. I'm not even going to remind myself. I'm going to treat you the way I would have treated you anyway. I'm probably not loaning you my car again, but I forgive you. That's what forgiveness is. Christians should be known as the most forgiving people on earth. Christians should be known as the people who refuse to bear a grudge, who refuse to take vengeance, who don't just automatically take everything to the courts, but say, you know, I don't want to let this get in between us. Our relationship is too important. And then the third thing he mentions that is part of uh, what it looks like to overcome evil with good is to be kind to our enemies. This is mentioned twice. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. In verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. That's a quote from Proverbs 25, 21. And I just want to point out at this point, isn't it interesting how we pick and choose which scriptural teachings we want to emphasize? I'll give you an example. So I want you to imagine, and this is totally hypothetical, okay? Imagine a scenario in which I said a dirty word from the pulpit. I just, you, you pick whatever curse word you want to pick. You're the ones with the dirty minds, not me. Um, but, but let's say I said something inappropriate, profane. You'd be upset, and you should be. 
You'd be concerned for my spiritual status, and you should be. Some of you might say, I don't know that he should be pastor anymore if he's going to use language like that, and that's justified. But on the other hand, what if I was in some heated conflict with one of my neighbors where I live, and I came to church on Sunday, and I talked about my evil neighbor and how, how awful they were and all the things they'd done to make my life miserable and how, how we were, I, I had taken them to court to, to settle this dispute, so y'all pray for me that I will prevail over this evil person. And my guess is that your, your stance would be very sympathetic toward me. How dare these people be so mean to our pastor? And yet, the Bible has much more to say about loving our enemies than it has to say about profanity. For some reason, we make it sound as though, well, yeah, but they, Jesus meant that for the super-Christians. That's not realistic. No, that's for all of us. He expects all of us to be kind to those who hate us. Be kind doesn't mean tolerate. It means actively serve them. Kind to our enemies. Kindness to our enemies. That's what it means to overcome evil with good. And then let's get into why it works. That's what it means to overcome evil with good. Peaceful relationships. Ah, I skipped over that one. Peaceful relationships. How about that? Uh, verse 18. There was one I missed. Verse 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's such a powerful verse, and I wish we all would live by it. And it's so realistic, too, because it says, if possible. God knows, no matter what you do, there's going to be some people that just aren't nice. No matter what you do, there's going to be people who hold things against you. You, you, may, have, you may have wounded or, or offended them in the past, and, and they just refuse to forgive, even, no matter what you do to try to make it up to them. And, and God is saying, if you can stand before me on judgment and say, I did everything I could to live at peace with that person, they just wouldn't live at peace with me. Then he's not going to hold you responsible for that. But our goal should be to have peaceful relationships with everyone. And the problem is, so many of us, we like to cultivate enemies. We need at least one boogeyman in our lives, right? Somebody that we get to talk about and, and, and fret about and, and be angry at. And Jesus says, no, live at peace with everybody as far as it depends upon you. So again, what does it look like to overcome evil with good? It means cultivate a good reputation. It means live with peaceful relationships with everybody you know. It means to forgive anybody, any offense they commit against you. And it means to be kind to our enemies. Now, let's talk about why it works. All right, now we're back on track. Why does it work? Have you ever noticed... Uh, if you watch action movies, and I think a lot of us do, that's the most popular genre of movies. Action movies always end the same way. They always end up with the hero in a fight to the death with the bad guy. And if it's a good action movie, it's one that we all like, then the, the good guy wins and the bad guy goes down. That's, that's your Die Hard movies. That's your John Wick movies. That's you know any movie you want to name. That's every movie Arnold Schwarzenegger ever made. Um, think about The Fugitive. Okay, That's one of my favorite action movies ever. This is 30 years ago. Can you believe? And the, at the end, I'm sorry, you've had 30 years to see it, so I'm sorry. But at the end... Um, <laughs> Dr. Richard Kimball, the, the character played by Harrison Ford, finds for the first time since the night his wife was murdered, finds the man who killed his wife and framed him for the crime and just punches his lights out. And I remember wanting to stand up and cheer. I felt so good about that. 
And it didn't matter to me that the bad guy was, had only one arm. I mean, that's okay. Justice was served, and I was totally there for it. And, and that's fine to watch that on TV and to cheer for the good guy, but we think that's the way life should work, too. If somebody has hurt us, then, then we should be able to get vengeance on them. We should, okay, probably we don't go around beating the snot out of anybody, but that's because we don't want to go to jail. We have other ways of doing it. We have, we have ways of fighting back. In fact, we think that's what strength is, that when someone messes with me, I mess with them. I make them pay. And actually, I want to tell you, that's not strength, it's weakness. You may not have ever thought about this, but let me tell you why it's weakness. Because when you hate that person, you're letting that person control you. When you hate that person and return evil for evil, you're letting that person dictate the way you think, the way you speak, and the way you behave. And I'll give you an example. All right. Again, totally hypothetical. Let's imagine you and I work together in the same company and for whatever reason, I've got it in for you. And so I'm constantly trying to rat you out to the boss and making up stories about you slacking off on the job so I can get you fired. And I'm gossiping about you to my coworkers. And every time you're around, I make these little side comments out of the side of my mouth just to antagonize you. Now, what do you do in response? You want to wait outside the, the front door of the office with a two-by-four for the, when I walk out of work that day? Or do you want to, do you want to fight fire with fire and, and, and spread gossip about me? Or do you want to just sit at home and, and stew in your mind and think about all the evil things you'd like to see happen to me? If you do any of those things, then I'm controlling you. I'm in control. You wouldn't be thinking those thoughts. You wouldn't be saying those words. You wouldn't be plotting those plots if it weren't for me. I'm making you miserable. I'm winning. If on the other hand, you say, I'm going to return your hatred with love. I'm going to return your meanness with kindness. You're in control. You're taking initiative. You are showing strength. And you're heaping burning coals upon my head. And either I'm just going to look terrible in the eyes of the entire company, or I'm going to feel such a sense of shame, I'm going to repent. So think about the benefits of doing it God's way. I know it's harder. I know it doesn't seem realistic, but think about doing it the way Romans 12 says. The benefit is you're not in conflict anymore. You're not at home with your stomach in knots. You're not, you're not dreading going to work every day because there's no conflict. There's just a, an ignorant fool in me who you're choosing to love. And those burning coals might motivate me to get right with God. Think about that. Back in 2016, there was a documentary called Accidental Courtesy. And it's the story of a man named Daryl Davis, who's a black man who's just got it in his head that he wants to talk people out of being in the Klan. So his mission in life, I mean, he's got a job, he's a musician, but he, anytime he can, he tracks down people who are part of the KKK and he befriends them. And over the course of his life, he's talked dozens of men out of burning their hood and, and getting out of that organization. And it shows him, uh, there's this one guy they interview in prison, and he says, yeah, I mean, I used to hate anybody that looked like him, but when I went to prison, he started driving my wife and my kids to come visit me on visiting days. None of my clan brothers did that. 
There's another conversation you see him have uh, with a clan member where he says, hey, listen, you know, why do you guys burn crosses? For me as a Christian, that's, that's offensive. And you can see that this, this Klan member thinking, well, I can't say what I actually mean, which is I want to intimidate black people. No, he says, uh, well, you know, we believe that we're lighting the way for the Lord's return. And he comes back with, Daryl comes back with, well, you know, the God I believe in lights the way for me, not the other way around. And I think about the power of that. I mean, this guy's friends and family think he's nuts, but that's, this has become his mission in life. Think about the lives that can be changed if you and I just do a simple thing like, I'm going to choose to return love for hatred. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to live at peace in a world where everybody's always angry about something. You know, we emphasize transforming relationships here, and we talk about loving your neighbor, your coworker, your classmate. Talk about praying for people who are lost, reaching out to people who are hurting, and, and many of you have filled out cards, and I appreciate that. I want to challenge you to do something, because I mean this, because this is not theory. If there's a, a card in the pew rack in front of you, I want you to consider, as I've been talking about enemies, as I've been talking about people who are mean to us, your own personal Bernard, your own personal bully, I want you to consider taking one of those cards and writing that person's name on it. And you don't have to give me your name. You can give me initials or nothing else at all. But just say, I'm going to choose from this day forward to pray for this person. I'm going to choose from this day forward to reach out to this person, to show kindness intentionally to this person. They don't like me. They make my life a little bit miserable, but they're going to be one of my transforming relationships because I'm going to choose to obey Romans 12 and just see what happens. Would you consider doing that? We've just got a few more minutes in the sermon, but think and pray about who God would have you obey Romans 12 towards today. So that's why it works because it's, it makes our lives better and it pours burning coals on the heads of those who are determined to hate us. But now, how is it possible? You know, when I just said, fill out a card with that person's name, I bet some of you said, no way. There's two reasons why people think it's not possible to live this way. One is, and this is what we'll talk about next week. Well, hey, if, uh, if everybody lived that way, wouldn't evil people just have their run of the, of the place? Wouldn't the Bernards of this world run amok? Wouldn't, wouldn't bullies just what criminals do whatever they wanted to do? And that's what we're going to talk about next week, how overcoming evil with good punishes evil and prevents evil and constrains evil. We'll talk about that next week. But there's another reason we don't think this is possible, and that's because we can't imagine ourselves living this way. We've just never really tried it. And we don't know that we're capable and that's true, except for one thing. I want you to think about this. When Jesus came into this world, he just came here preaching the truth, healing the sick, loving everybody around him, and yet we responded with hatred. He came unto his own, John 1 says, and his own received him not. God in human flesh was walking in our midst and we wanted to kill him. We spread awful, untrue rumors about him. We tried to convince people not to follow him, and that didn't work, so we went to the next step. We arrested him. We trumped up some charges against him. We sentenced him to death. We beat the skin off his back. 
We shoved a crown of thorns into his scalp and we nailed him to a cross, but we weren't finished. While he hung there six hours dying in agony, we mocked him and spat in his face in front of his grieving mother. We treated him with contempt. And how did he respond? He prayed out loud, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was dying for us. He was opening a way for us to get to the Father. Because of his death, we could get credit for his life, free of charge. And now his spirit, the spirit of the one who did that, lives in us. So don't tell me you can't live that way. You have everything you need in the power of the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is say, Lord, change my heart. Lord, help me to cultivate a good reputation among those who don't believe. Help me to live at peace with all people as best I can. Lord, help me to forgive whatever I'm holding against someone. I lay it before you. Lord, help me to be kind to those who aren't kind to me. Lord, I need you to make me a person who overcomes evil with good. I need you to help me especially to overcome evil with good with this person right here. And he knows, and he sees. Are you willing to pray that way? Are you willing to become a person who spreads peace? That's what the world needs to see. That's what the world is lacking. Will you do it?